Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Catholic Halos podcast. I'm Veronica Ambule, Director of Communications for the Diocese of Colorado Springs, and I'm joined today by Deacon Patrick Jones, who's an award-winning author of Catholic fiction and the founder of Catholic Halos, and Deacon Doug Flynn, who is the Chancellor and General Counsel for the Diocese. Uh, before we begin our discussion today, Deacon Patrick, would you lead us in an opening prayer? In nomine Patris, et Filii, et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostrae. Amen. Um, so our topic for today is um, basically a kind of almost a continuation of uh, the discussion from last time, uh, the Feast of the Holy Family. And it, we're going to be talking about why we should extend our celebration of the Christmas season all the way through to February 2nd, which is um, the Feast of the Presentation and also uh, uh, traditionally known as Candlemas. Hang, hang on, hang on, hang on. So you're saying, Veronica, that from week 15 of the NFL through to the Super Bowl? It's still safety Christmas cookies. Yeah, it's still safety Christmas cookies. And through the playoffs. <laughs> well, that, yeah, the Super Bowl. It's, even it's, though the Broncos aren't going to be in this year, yes. <laughs> huh. Okay. So right. we, we got to break those boxes back out and put our crash back up, huh? Yeah, and keep our tree up. Um, even uh, even though in some cases they're quite uh, uh, with dried out. Um, ah, yeah. Yeah, we had that one year where we followed the recommendation where you make up the the special mix to fireproof your tree. And, and apparently Clorox bleach doesn't do well with keeping needles on the tree. So we figured it was safer just with water and, and, and sugar. And that's what we've done ever since. And our tree lasts all the way through February 2nd. And do you cut yours down yourselves? Uh, yeah, we go. That, that's another gripe that we have. Um, the uh, the schedule for cutting down the tree in Advent ends in the middle of December. Uh, so if you wanted to get your tree later than that, you're out of luck. Uh, so we we've, we've had to bump forward when we do that, and then and then if uh, you're wanting to recycle your tree through a wood chipper. Any of those places usually close long before February 2nd. <laughs> oh, yeah. Usually it's like, uh, de what, December 30th or something is the last day for collection. Um, if they're, you know, if they're doing what they call the, yeah, the tree recycling. It's almost like we're going living life to a different drummer. Well, yeah, it, that's that's true. But yet, um, traditionally, uh, the Christmas season um, in the Catholic Church has always gone until February second. I mean, I I haven't been there myself, but I but people who have visited, um, like St. Peter's Basilica, 
during January have reported back that they always still have their Christmas trees up. Um, so, so, uh, yeah, I mean, we should, we should all still be celebrating. Um, and, you know, one of the things as we were getting ready for the show that, uh, that I had uh, noticed was that we, this, um, this coming Sunday is the feast of epiphany when, um, so, so normally that's always, uh, celebrated on January 6th, which would be Saturday this year, but um, in the United States, anyway, it's transferred to Sunday. So it's just a one-day difference, but um, there's all sorts of um, rituals and symbolism uh, even connected with that feast day that, you know, can help us to extend our celebration um, of Christmas. One One of the things I was looking uh saw an article about was um the uh, blessing the traditional blessing of homes with epiphany chalk and so um and actually last year our parish and and they may still have done this i may have missed it but they they uh, passed out little baggies with with blessed pieces of chalk i guess it was and so what you do is you write over uh, on your um, kind of the mantle over your front door. You have um, a mantle or a lintel? Lint, lintel, sorry. <laughs> the mantle you're, is over you're the fire. Weird, Veronica. Yeah, the fire, yes, yes, yes. Burning <laughs> down the house, as they That's say. No, but. Awesome. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to keep the Christmas spirit alive. <laughs> <laughs> you have to run through the flames in order to get it. No, but um, so so what you would do is uh, write the uh, the word the the numbers two zero, so the first two numbers of the year, and then C plus M plus B, which are the first initials of the three wise men, Caspar. Uh, Melchior and Balthazar, and then you write the last two numerals of the years, which obviously in this case would be 24. So you'd write C uh, 20 C plus M plus B 24, and um, so you know it, it's it's uh, apparent apparently this tradition has roots in the Passover um, from the Old Testament, and it's uh, uh, but it, you know, it, it, asking God to to bless the, the the house and the family for for the coming year. So, um, you know, that's one way we can kind of keep the uh, the celebration of Christmas going in our homes. Well, so how do we keep from getting fat? Because we've got what is it? Traditionally, it's forty days, and I suspect if we count them out. It might be a Catholic 40 because I don't know if Christmas counts or, or if Sundays count or, uh, or how that all works. But 40 days to February 2nd and Advent was shorter so that the, um, the fasting season is shorter always than the feasting season. Um, so Lent 
is 40 days of fasting and 50 days to uh, uh, Pentecost um, for the fast, for the feast season. Uh, so the, the challenge is, are we, are we, are, are we getting gluttonous if we are doing 40 days of Christmas feasting or is there something that we need to be doing somewhat differently? Uh, and, and one of the things that our family has learned as we got, came to understand this, this whole fasting feasting rhythm is to really be able to feast well, you need to fast well. And, uh, feasting also doesn't, isn't just about food. Uh, it's about what are the Christmas carols that you're singing as a family in, in the evening. Uh, and, and we do uh, Christmas poetry. Um, and as you mentioned, Veronica, keeping the tree up and that awareness, that countenance of Christ is born among us, um, and that, that joy extending it beyond a single night in the case of the culture, uh, or, uh, they think it's all of December instead of January into February. Well, and, um, there, there are a, a number of ways, um, to that we could, um, yes, do some extra prayer and fasting. I think during, during January, uh, one of the, um, things that I was looking at is, uh, you know, every year we have, um, well, not every year, but with, I guess, um, last, uh, hundred years, um, we are asked to observe the week of prayer for Christian unity. So um, it's January 18th through the 25th. So, I mean, that would, that would be an opportunity to, um, you know, for all of us to pray. I mean, and just, you know, reflect on the fact that um, why did, or just what, what did Christ come into the world to establish, right? Um, we, we know that he didn't come to establish 20,000 different churches. Um, he came to establish one church. And so even though, you know, we have to, um, be diplomatic in the way that we, uh, discuss this, but, uh, um, you know, that would be, I, I think, especially if we have maybe family members who, are no longer in the church. That would be one way to, um, Deacon Patrick, to your point, intersperse some, some fasting and, and maybe extra sacrifices in with our feasting, um, with the Christmas season. Um, so if you, if you go to the USCCB website, usccb.org, there are some, um, reflections and things, uh, to, to, you know, so that's, that's coming up. Uh, let's see, January 18th is, uh, it's actually a, uh, a Thursday, but, um, so we've got a couple weeks to prepare for that, but, um, that's one thing. And there's also some other great, um, 
feast days in in the month. Um, for example, uh, St. Francis de Sales on January 24th is the, um, it, it, you know, he's he's a doctor of the church. Not So um, in addition to his um, holy life, you know, the example of his holy life, he gave us the um, the introduction to the devout life. Um, so he comes uh, and gives our uh, the newborn baby Jesus and each of our souls a uh, wellness check. Is <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one, well, that's one way of of looking at it, I suppose. I do see um, the world differently than most. So. <laughs> <clears throat> And then we have the feast of, uh, I heard they were talking about this on the radio actually this morning, St. John Bosco is January 31st. And um, he uh, introduced a whole new um, approach to discipline of children, uh, which, you know, I know in my case, I definitely could use um, a refresher on that one. And um yeah, so there's there's especially since you've been working with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that I'm in the the grandmother phase, you know, it's like you you have to kind of um get back into that mindset a, a little bit. Um but yeah, so so yeah, I think um just looking at the the, the liturgical calendar and um thinking about some of the martyrs whose feast days are during January that that uh can help us to right it's not just a question of you know partying and eating cookies but because so you know january is a time for us to really take stock of um where did i maybe fall short this past year and what are my resolutions for this coming year um can really help us with that i think the uh one of the things that's always bemusing to me is uh when i am out on the trails um i wish people a merry christmas tide all the way through february 2nd <laughs> I, that and, probably doesn't get any strange looks back <laughs> <laughs> well if you've got uh micro spikes and chains doug you can come with me and uh, <laughs> you'll get the strange looks maybe instead of me but uh, <laughs> it uh to your point veronica of uh evangelizing um the i have no idea if i'm politic or not uh, i'm probably not but uh <clears throat> the uh the sharing of the joy of Christmas tide is a great way to evangelize family and perfect strangers. Well, that's true. I mean, it, you, you know, we, I imagine it could be quite normal for um, us to just, you know, strike up a conversation with our neighbors and they could ask us, you know, why we still have our tree up. Although I, I, I will say that um, I, I was impressed at least in our, you know, kind of immediate neighborhood, I'm talking about like the two or three blocks around our house. Um, people are still leaving their Christmas lights on. Um, it's not the, you know, sometimes there's this frenzy. You see people up there on a ladder 
like the day after, you know, pulling everything down. But people are still, uh, at least our, like I said, in, in my immediate area, um, people are still um, keeping their Christmas lights up and um, uh, decorations and things like that. So that's been, that's been nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, it could be, um, it doesn't, it could be just a simple informal conversation, you know, to explain to people why uh, Christmas hasn't ended. And also too, um, the, I was reading something uh, the other day about, you know, just, just what was the, um, what, what is the feast of the presentation? You know, what, what kind of um, happened with that? Um, And, you know, there's different theories about kind of what Mary and Joseph um, were doing exactly uh, dur- during this time uh, when the Magi exactly came to uh, visit them. And, uh, but we know that they, they did make the offering in the temple. Um, and that's when the, the uh, elderly prophets, uh, Simeon and Anna, uh, told Mary and Joseph, uh, or, 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 you know, first of all, um, express their joy at being able to uh, see the Messiah before they died, but also um, told Mary and Joseph uh, for the, the suffering, you know, that he would undergo. And so um, it, it, it helps us to I think to remember, you know, maybe do some uh, extra gospel reading throughout this time. Just what did, you know, what was their life like? We know that they had to um, to flee to Egypt, uh, that Joseph had to um, earn a living uh, as his in his trade, which is described as carpentry. Um, and so that, yeah, the joy, the joy of the birth of Christ, um, was immediately, you know, in a sense, but they, they, they couldn't just sit around, right. They had to, um, figure out how they were going to protect his life and, uh, earn a living, uh, during these kind of shaky times when, when, uh, they knew that, Herod was after them. You know, uh, one book that I might recommend that uh, could be helpful along those lines uh, in the prayer and reflection and uh, lifelong learning uh, towards the end of his life, uh, Pope Benedict uh, wrote a series of books on the life of Jesus of Nazareth. And I think, ironically, the last one was on the inf- what he called the infancy narratives. And so that might be a nice... Uh, if you, Pick that up, a nice uh, guide for meditation. Yeah, um, the, 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 we, uh, as you know, circling back a little bit to Epiphany, we, the Gospels don't tell us a lot about who the uh, wise men were, um, like exactly which country they came from. We don't even know the number. We just know the number of gifts. 
Right, right. True, true. We don't, right. That we say we, we use the number three, but actually that's um, not actually set in stone, I suppose. But, um, but the, but the, uh, but it's interest one. So anyway, there's a lot of theories about it. One theory I heard discussed on Catholic radio a couple of days ago. Um, and this is, you know, definitely not, uh, you can't prove or disprove it, but it was that um, when the when the wise men came and and gave uh, Mary and Joseph these uh, rather expensive gifts, that Joseph may have at then at some point sold them to have some money that they could use to get established, you know, um, in in Egypt because. The fact that, and it was, I just thought it was interesting. He linked this, the the fact that they just presented the uh, the two, I guess it was doves, at the temple shows that they, at that point, they didn't, they must not have had much money, but yet somehow uh, they were able to make the long journey to Egypt and um, sustain themselves there, and so that the having that valuable kind of source of income from the wise men would be one way that that could have happened. Again, we'll, ne we'll never know probably as long as we're on this earth, but um, so, so, you know, but, but uh, also too, it's um, we just on December 28th celebrated the, um, the feast of the Holy Innocents and uh you know, reading the story of how King Herod um, sent out this, his soldiers to uh, kill all the baby boys um, under two years old. And the fact that, um, you know, the, the church considers them to be um, saints in heaven that we can actually ask their, their intercession for, um, you know, so it's, there's, there's just, yeah, I, I, a, a book about the life of Christ that goes into these things is um, is great reading for this time of year, I think. There's another Infancy Narratives book, uh, much older, by um, Jean-Daniel Liu, who um, I think just has a beautiful writing style. So, Yeah, also, actually, the book I mentioned in our previous podcast, um, To Know Christ Jesus. It's not specifically devoted to that, but it has a couple of good chapters. So, um, a lot of a lot of good material out there. Well, in the the uh, the Novus Ordo uh, calendar, um, in some ways causes confusion with the whole label of ordinary time, which is what uh, begins, um, and and we have some of that before uh, Ash Wednesday. Traditionally, um, the we're all, all familiar with Mardi Gras, and in our minds that might seem like it's one day. Um, but uh, I think I've mentioned the uh, book by Maria von Trapp uh, around the year with the von Trapp family. Um, and she describes how from Epiphany, January 6th, through Ash Wednesday, to Ash Wednesday, um, 
is known as the season of carnival, not as an official liturgical season, but as a, um, uh, she, she goes through the description of it's a time for dancing and, and, uh, kind of a hinge, hinge season. Um, and so more feasting before the fasting starts. Exactly. Uh, so, uh, the, we're, we're not, uh, we're not, uh, at a, uh, in poverty for occasions to feast, but we have to learn how to fast in order to know how to feast. Good advice. Well, there's already been a lot of lamenting this year that, um, Ash Wednesday falls on Valentine's Day. I, I think um, that's really <laughs> causing a lot of confusion for for people. And you know, it's um, I mean, what 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 can you say? We're we're all kind of slaves to the calendar. I I know I feel that way being in the newspaper business. But um, yeah, it's an interesting year, Deacon Patrick. To your point, because um, Ash Wednesday is relatively early and and we had then you know that leads to easter being the very last day of march and um some of so some of these other feasts i i couldn't believe it someone was telling me the other day that corpus christi sunday is june 2nd i was like no 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 that can't be right but but <laughs> but this year you know as if i'm you know the big expert on feast days but anyway um it's it's true so um, but maybe it's a good, you know, this, this may be a good, um, opportunity for, um, us to all, to see how these things are all connected. They're not, you know, they're not just random days on the calendar that there is, there is actually, um, a, a reason, a reason behind, uh, the, the way these, these things, uh, are scheduled. And, um, so, so yeah, I, I mean, uh, we ash it it's only going to be a matter of of weeks before we start uh pu- i know publishing in the herald the uh lenten schedules for the parishes and um we're going to be uh talking about um uh you know the various uh holy week you, you know things leading up to holy week all that kind of stuff so uh, I guess we might as well enjoy ourselves while we can. <laughs> well, you know, we, we, we often joke about Catholic math, and this is a little bit of Catholic calendaring, but if you remember that we did start Advent with a one-day week of the fourth week of Advent. So. True, yeah, true. It's been, it's, been hard, it's been hard to wrap our heads around, I think, <laughs> in, in general, the way things have gone this year. <laughs> yeah. My, my wife was very excited that our gargoyle didn't have to sit uh, on the top of our tree for very long because Advent was shorter. Uh, that was a tradition that began uh, when she had pregnancy brain and because of my vertigo, you know, cutting, cutting the tr- tree down and, and, uh, and trimming it to the right size to get into the house is not my job anymore. And, uh, with pregnancy brain, she thought, well, the tree needs to be shorter. It's too tall. So she cut it from the top and then it looked really odd. Uh, and so we, uh, went and got our uh, gargoyle puppet and that became a tradition ever since. So George, the gargoyle, uh, 
uh, she was delighted that this was a shorter advent. <laughs> <laughs> it is often amusing how our family traditions get started. <laughs> yeah, that, that is so so true. Uh, well, and um, we had uh, a wedding in the family on New Year's Eve, uh, December 31st, and it was a lot of fun to incorporate the um, seasonal decorations into the decorations for the wedding. Hmm. Um, I, a friend of mine and I, we spent, I, I think everyone was pretty amazed that it could liter that we could literally spend five hours doing this, but we can <laughs> there was a, um, there was, you know, you know, and I can't even claim pregnancy brain for that one, but um, we we t like took it taking almost like a very Victorian look with all the uh, the garlands and things, um, and so it's um it's it was it was uh, a great reminder that um you know this the these these uh, decorations that the church church puts up um are, you know aren't just about um you know having having things at mass on the altar but that we want to um you know tie it into all the other happenings in our in our life and so um we uh yeah we we were uh finding driving everybody crazy with our uh requests to can you please um cut this wire into three pieces and hang, hang this garland, you know, 10 feet in the air. And they were all ready to be done with us by the end of it. But, um, <laughs> but it was, it was a, it was a fun way to kind of keep that, that festive, uh, festive spirit going. So um, I, it, it's, uh, it was a, definitely a memorable New Year's Eve. And um, I, for one, was glad that we were all, um, in the school gym and not <laughs> scattered around at various parties and so forth. But, um, but okay, well, we are just about out of time for our discussion today. Um, before we wrap up, we just want to remind everyone that you can find this episode and all past episodes of Catholic Halos on uh, Spotify, uh, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, uh, Stitcher and several other platforms. So feel free to check us out there. Uh, before we close, uh, Deacon Doug, would you lead us in a closing prayer? Certainly. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nuc in anora mortis nostre. Amen. Thanks everyone for joining us for this episode of the Catholic Halos podcast.